Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. This episode is part of our series featuring the Social Health Award winners. The Social Health Awards recognize and celebrate those individuals who are essential to the ongoing conversations and connections made through social health. Whether posting to Instagram, hosting Facebook Lives, or stitching the latest TikTok trend, the award of Social Media Master recognizes the patients and caregivers leveraging social platforms for advocacy. These are individuals who are sharing their story and fostering community through the use of multiple social media channels. Our Social Media Master Award winner for 2022 is Rachel Hill, aka the Invisible Hypothyroidism. Rachel is a highly ranked and award-winning thyroid patient advocate, writer, blogger, speaker, and author. She began her thyroid advocacy journey in 2015 following the diagnosis of autoimmune thyroid disease after many years of frustration and missed opportunities. Rachel is well-recognized as a valuable contributor to the thyroid community and has published two books, Be Your Own Thyroid Advocate and You, Me, and Hypothyroidism. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and congratulations on this award. Thank you so much. Um, It was a a huge surprise um, and it's just wonderful to be here and continue having this discussion around thyroid disease. What does it mean to you to win the Social Media Master Award? Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a real um, amazing way to know that my work has been recognised um, and that it's reaching the wider community and hopefully sort of changing other people's other thyroid patients' lives for the better. Um, I was once in a, a really awful place with thyroid disease, um, and my main goal with doing what I do was to just try and turn that into something positive. So um, by being awarded um, something like an award, um, it's really just reassuring me that it is having that impact, I guess. I think you absolutely are. So take me back to before you were diagnosed with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. What symptoms were you experiencing? Um, the big one was fatigue, um, which can be obviously helpful and unhelpful in other ways because that can be the main symptom of so many health conditions, which is why so many of us can take a while getting diagnosed. Um, but yeah, a, a real heavy fatigue that is very much like exhaustion, um, almost like you're walking through treacle and you're dragging your body along. Um, other symptoms sort of like hair loss, really dry skin, weight fluctuations, um, mostly weight gain, um, acne, um, muscle aches and pains, real deep muscle aches and pains, um, and then all the way down to like digestive issues um, and menstrual period issues as well. Um, Thyroid hormone affects pretty much every function and cell within the body. So um, as a result, symptoms can affect you from head to toe. Um, And by the time I was diagnosed, I think I had almost 30 sort of separate symptoms that, like I say, ranged from hair loss to energy to digestive complaints and everything in between. Wow. Yeah. But a lot of those symptoms, like you say, are they can be attributed to so many different things. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what makes thyroid disease often so hard to diagnose. Um, in the years 
leading up to me finally being diagnosed with that, I was told that I kind of had all these separate other health conditions going on. Um, migraines was another thing that I struggled with for many years until I was on thyroid medication. Um, and so, yeah, um, it's, it's certainly not uncommon for people to be told that they have all these separate sort of health issues and then they suddenly receive this diagnosis of a, th of a thyroid condition and things just suddenly slot into place and it makes a lot of sense. And once they get onto the right um, treatment for their thyroid condition, a lot of those separate, you know, so-called conditions um, can start to melt away and disappear and resolve. That's great. In addition to the several options of treatment, how do other things impact your thyroid health, like uh, changes in hormones or changes in, in other conditions? Yeah, um, hormonal sort of impacts can definitely have an effect. Um, I've recently gone through my second pregnancy, um, well, technically third pregnancy, um, but my first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage, which I guess um, can sort of tie into what you've just asked. Your thyroid can impact your hormones in that way and vice versa. Um, and yeah, going through my second uh, healthy full-term pregnancy uh, recently, my thyroid levels were kind of all over the place. Was It definitely impacted both the Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism in terms of taking what was previously quite well managed and just throwing it all up in the air and starting from scratch again and getting that well controlled. Um, and then there are obvious things such as stress um, and being in that postpartum period or just having other kind of life, life stresses going on as well. Um, things like your diet and exercise there are various things that can impact um your hormone levels and how easy that is to get it under control too and, and i guess keep it under control um as well as thyroid medication options there are other things we can do to look after ourselves and to try and get our thyroid condition better managed and keep our symptoms more under control when we have a thyroid condition and that can include things like your diet finding ways to manage your stress levels um, and looking at how you exercise and all that stuff as well. Um, we can certainly look at it with a quite holistic lens um, so that we can feel as if we're taking some control, I guess, back from this wonderful world of, of chronic illness. Yeah, as much control as we can get, I think that's always a good thing. So what actually motivated you to take a more active approach and, and to do advocacy on what you've what you've learned um for me my advocacy started in the form of a blog uh, back when everyone was blogging really so i i started blogging about seven or eight years ago now um i was newly diagnosed i had been on first line um medication treatment for about five or six months and it just wasn't working my health was continuing to decline and i just didn't understand why so i set up a blog and i started blogging just to i guess like, vent my frustrations and to record my journey um, and soon enough, uh, other people started to reach out to say they'd had similar experiences and it started to create this community of people sharing what had and hadn't worked for them. Um, and we could all share, I guess, our trial and error of trying different things or going to going down different routes. Um, and yeah, that just kind of um, grew outwards from just having a blog into social media um, and sort of my email newsletters and books and various things. And through doing all of that, um, the main reason why I do it is, I guess, originally the main reason was to have an outlet. Um, but as I kind of saw community grow um, and foster that community, my main reason now is to just try and reach other people to let them know that they're not alone, that there is a way out. Um, there are a lot of people out there struggling with their mental health alongside their thyroid condition. Um, 
and it can just be a particularly lonely disease. I think it's often misunderstood among the general public as well. So, um, yeah, it's these days it's very much around just trying to reach as many people as possible and just let them know that they're not alone. Um, on my personal tough tough health days, my tough thyroid days, um, reaching out to the community and saying, hey, I'm having a really hard day, anyone else? And kind of getting those responses coming back just kind of reminds me why it's important that we all feed into this um, this community, really. I was going to ask you about mental health because you've talked in your in your blog and your social media posts about about mental health quite a bit. And I was wondering, like, how how does managing your mental health help your hypothyroidism or how are those two so connected? Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a two way um, kind of relationship going on there. Um, if your thyroid levels are off, um, that can impact your mental health in terms of sort of chemically and hormonally um, what's going on inside your body and inside your brain. There can be an impact there. You know, thyroid hormone levels are associated um, with changes in how your brain works and how your mood is then altered. Um, so if your thyroid levels are off, that can then lead to things like depression and anxiety. Um, but then the other way around as well, um, if you are feeling depressed, perhaps through other means, um, you've got stressful situations going on in your life or you know, other things um, that then may lead you to um, perhaps not looking after your health, as I spoke previously, sort of in a holistic way, in terms of perhaps not um, making the right sort of dietary choices or exercising in the right way or having good sleep hygiene. And then those things can create sort of more stress within the body that then might send your thyroid levels a bit crazy and out of whack. So there's a bit of a, a two-way relationship going on there. Um, but yeah, generally a, a lot of what I do is around um, encouraging people to optimize their thyroid treatment so their mental health is supported, but then also finding ways to support your mental health um, in terms of, yeah, trying to optimize sleep and exercise and well-being and um finding sort of small joys in day-to-day -day as well um thyroid disease affects people on such a large scale um that some people are able to withstand more exercise other people are a bit more housebound so yeah i guess it's uh, there's an element of respecting where people are within their thyroid journey and within sort of the level of symptoms as well mm. yeah that's that's such a key point i think is respecting your body's ability to do whatever level you can yeah, definitely. I read one of your recent posts on Instagram where you shared, you don't have to keep proving your chronic illness to other people. And that really resonated with me. Can you say more about that? Yeah, um, I think for those, for those of us living with an invisible illness like thyroid disease, um, invisible in the sense of when you see us walking down the street, you might not know that we have a chronic illness. Um, it can be really frustrating um, when you need to cancel plans or you know, cancel plans with friends or call in sick to work or you need that um, that designated priority seat on the bus that is sort of designated for people with um, health conditions or disabilities and things like that. Um, it can feel as if you need to constantly be justifying why you need that extra support, why you need to stay at home that day or cancel on those plans. Um, and when I was in the darkest part of having thyroid disease and the early days of my diagnosis, um, I almost constantly felt like I needed to keep justifying that I had this health condition and what it meant and how bad it could be. And um, 
yeah, just kind of getting sucked into quite this this dark place. And part of me moving forward with my physical and mental health was in, I guess, accepting that my experience of chronic illness is mine and that I don't need to try and justify that to other people because no one no one will ever understand what it is that I experience. Only I will understand. Even my husband, who I've been with for 12, 13 years now, um, even he will never understand and he sees me live it every single day, but only I live in this body. And so I guess there's just an element there of letting go of what other people think or what other people might assume um, and just not putting much weight on that um, putting more weight on what I experience and what I can do to look after myself and just try and move forward day to day. Um, yeah, just taking back some of that power, I guess. I think if you put a lot of power on what other people think, um, you're probably going to end, end up on a bit of a downward spiral and that's just never a good place to be. Very true. Why do you think it's important for people with hypothyroidism to have that online community? Um, because it's because it's just a very misunderstood, um, not very well known about disease. And um, even though a lot of people will know the term hypothyroidism or perhaps underactive thyroid or a thyroid condition, um, a certain a certain amount of people within the general population will know that term. They won't know just how much it impacts people day to day. And so. Although I might have this health condition and people in my family or my friends, my close network will understand the term, they won't truly understand what it means to experience it. And so we can often feel, like I said previously, sort of ignored, misunderstood, perhaps even belittled because people assume it's a very easily to treat condition. And so providing that community where people can show up and and say, look, I'm having a tough day. Um, has anyone got any sort of tips or advice for me or does anyone else experience this symptom or what gets you through a really bad thyroid day um yeah just having a place where you can go to and also not just on the tough days but when we've got wins and successes as well when a medication is you know a new treatment is working or um some kind of lifestyle change that we've implemented is is helping with symptoms as well um having both a place to go on tough days and a place to go to celebrate those small and big wins as well, I just think is so valuable. Um, as with a lot of chronic health conditions, often the only people that can almost understand what you're going through are the people with the same health condition. That's so true. And I know you have made some dietary changes and I, I have two to manage my conditions. And one of them that I think we have in common is, is not eating gluten. And I yeah. saw one of your TikToks recently where you're like, yeah, I don't eat that and I don't drink caffeine and I don't drink alcohol. Do you get a lot of comments from friends or, or just people that you encounter? I know I do. About like, oh, how, <laughs> how can you not eat that? It must be so difficult. And how do you, how do you respond to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been gluten-free now for, I think, about six years. Um, I've avoided alcohol for about three or four years. Um, and the same with caffeine, actually, about three or four years. Um, I've either, I've pretty much totally avoided that. Um, but yeah, I think um, in the early days, there were definitely a lot of comments around why. Um, and when I'd explain, well, you know, eating uh, gluten gives me stomach cramps, it gives me brain fog, I just feel awful the next day, um, it throws my gut health way off. Um, people just couldn't really understand I guess because 
they can eat those things without having to think about the repercussions but for me it's it's very real that if i eat that one slice of cake i will be wiped out for the next few days and i can't afford to do that because i have a job to turn up to and i have children to look after um and so it's not as simple as just having that one slice of cake which someone has said to me before at a birthday party you know oh just have that one slice of cake it'll be fine just a little bit won't harm and i'm thinking yes yes it will um i think i'm i mean i'm in my late 20s so um i guess a lot of people in my kind of um my immediate circles in terms of friends as well still see alcohol as a key way to socialize and interact to um and giving up alcohol completely at i think i was about 25 um was it was definitely like a, a big change within how i socialize with a lot of my friends um and you'll definitely get people say oh just have that one drink or um you know just just trying to like push an alcoholic drink over to you and tempt you with it and it's yeah i think for a while that again that was that was a real push from me to say no i it's definitely not worth the flare-ups that i would experience afterwards for me having two drinks would result in me being basically sofa bound or bed bound for about three or four days after because my body just couldn't deal with it um and after a few years of just trying to push through that and think well this is how people my age socialize so i just kind of push on with it and carry on I decided that it just wasn't for me um and that now when i go out with friends if they're drinking i just don't drink and you don't need drink or i find that i don't need drink to have a good time and actually have a better time without it because i'm not going to have those flare-up days afterwards so um yeah i think to begin with people definitely didn't really understand but again going back to what we spoke to previously they just won't because it's not this is not their reality but it is mine um, but yeah, th these days people have pretty much accepted those changes now. Um, it's not something I come up against too much. Um, and I think as well, having young children to look after now, people almost question, um, they question you less if you're not choosing to drink because you're up at 5am the next day <laughs> taking care of small children. So yeah, there's that as well. That's true. If there was one thing that you knew at the beginning of the journey that you've been on that you could share with people who are just starting out, what would that be? Um, just to know that that first line treatment, such as levothyroxine, just doesn't work for everyone. Um, I think a lot of people are put on that medication and they are told you take this one pill a day for the rest of your life and you'll be absolutely fine. They get a few months, maybe six months, maybe 12 months down the road and they still don't feel better or they feel worse um, and they just feel lost. Um, they don't know where else to turn because they've been told this medication will fix everything. Um, and they just kind of plod along with this reduced quality of life, not knowing that there are other options out there. Um, for me, realizing, you know, six months in that this medication I was on wasn't working, I was just getting better, but then realizing that there were other options out there, um, it took me from being in a very depressed, suicidal place to suddenly having hope. Um, and again, exploring that avenue and changing medication made such a whole world of difference um, that I started on this path to getting my quality of life back. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people just don't realize that there are other options out there. So that would be that would be the main thing that I would tell someone starting. Um, if this doesn't work for you, there are other options, but you know, hopefully it will. It does work for the majority of people. Well, thank you so much for for your time today and for all that you're doing for thyroid patients. It's, it, I've learned so much from, from what you've shared, not only today, but in looking at your, at your social media presence. And I really appreciate what you do. And 
just want to say congratulations again on winning this award. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me the opportunity to shine a spotlight on thyroid disease. You can read more about Rachel at theinvisiblehypothyroidism.com. And you can find her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at the same name, The Invisible Hypothyroidism. Health Union is the leader in social health, with 41 condition-specific online communities and the Social Health Network, which encompasses more than 100,000 patient leaders covering nearly every health condition. You can learn more at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.